and welcome to the Management Sports Show coming to you live from the Old Little Pizza Company, 1201 South Oak Street. Man, I was glad to be back here. For those of you out there watching us right now on Facebook Live, come on down. The Old Little Pizza Company, 1201 South Oak Street. We got pizza specials, we got drink specials. We definitely want you. We got free pool, as you can see the guys in the back there uh, playing pool. You got a 10-inch pizza for $8 with two free toppings, a 14-inch pizza for $12, also with two free toppings. And you got, the, uh, and you got the $5 run, no drink special. Rose off the tongue, man. Hey, hey, work here. the $5 and you got the uh, $5 PBR. So, hey, come on out and enjoy your time. Absolutely. Uh, once again, 1201 South First Street, man. Y'all come on out, get some pizza. Listen to the best sports talk in the city. I'm Sean Myers, David Harrington. We got two esteemed guests on the panel tonight. We have the incomparable Philip Bailey joining us with his always colorful analysis of all things, everything. And then we got the baddest man in the 502, Taj Rice, joining us in the building. T-Nasty. Just absolutely going to bring some fire tonight. Cannot wait to see uh, what you guys think about so many different to topics. There's so much going on. Um, I, I don't know. Haven. I know when we went out, first of all, big shout out to Moments to Remember. Uh, we had our movie mixer. Uh, we were uh, asked to come out and guest host the movie mixer there for Moments to Remember for the debut of Black Panther. Um, and, and you know what? I know this is a sports show, but I feel as if there's been so much conversation as we were setting up about Black Panther. I feel that's where we should start. We definitely should start with Black Panther. I mean, that's, that's where we have to start. That's like a, a cultural phenomenon. Black Panther. This is like I never, I never freeze. That's I never, right. never, I never freeze. freeze. But you did freeze. Like an antelope in headlights. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I will say this. Spoiler warning. Spoiler oh yeah, warning. if you haven't seen it by now, listen. You haven't oh, seen Black Panther? Then listen, you all of Black America saw. I mean, Michelle Obama saw it. Beyonce saw it. Everybody saw it. They went Friday night. Saw it. Too short. Saw it. It ain't Tuesday yet. Friday Tuesday. Me, Bill saw it. He locked up. Come on, that's right. Everybody can see it now. Everybody saw Black Panther. Tune out at this point. The movie did not make $192 million in three days. Yeah. Without everybody seeing that's just domestic. It made $150 million worldwide. Condoleezza Rice, come on, man. <laughs> even Donald Trump saw it. We didn't even bootleg that one. We had to go to the movies. You had to go see that one, bro. You can't go get the book. Do the bootleg. Nah, nah, nah. We had to go to the movies. Oh, oh yeah, you, if you bootleg, you tomorrow Friday or Tuesday. So you know everybody. If you ain't seen it, go ahead and go see it. Absolutely. Friday or Tuesday, it's five hours. And, then, and you can sneak a friend in to the side though, so you only got to pay five dollars to get two people in. <laughs> now, now Taj, I know you a little bit too young to remember this, but this is probably the, for me, in my opinion, the biggest opening of a movie, a black movie, since uh, Malcolm X, Denzel Washington, like. When that culturally, comes, like, culturally, culturally, just like yeah. as far as the excitement and just the fact that everybody was like, I'm going to be somewhere and I'm going to watch this movie. X, when X came out, that was literally just bananas. Did, did, did you guys think it was that big? Like, 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 what did you think? I, mean, I know there's been some big ones. Born. born. That was before your time. Right. Before your so time. that's why I said this, this might be a little I was bit. 92. I born '99. Right? Yeah, so <laughs> that's ooh, might have been a little ooh, bit before ooh. your time. <laughs> so yeah, man, I would say. I mean, from a dollar standpoint, Black Panther did just as well as Straight Outta Compton. Actually, exceeded that. I think Straight Outta Compton domestically was uh, internationally about 214 million. They said that Black Panther was about 387 million the last time I read the Wall Street Journal uh, yesterday. So for me, I mean, 
look, we look, I think we're living in a black renaissance, man. I mean, these past few years, movies like Insecure, I mean, shows like Insecure, Scandal, Straight Outta Compton, I mean, from TV to the web to film, <clears throat> I think you're seeing African-American art, and, and the diversity of it, too, I think is also what we have to speak about when we get into the more of the film, but, no, I mean, this was, this was certainly a cultural moment. I think I'm interested to see, though, will this continue? Because this was a blockbuster. I mean, the CEO of Disney himself greenlit the $200 million budget for Black Panther. He came in and said, no, we, this needs to exceed previous sort of blockbuster movies that we've done. So, yeah, man, I mean, certainly a cultural moment and one that I think we'll appreciate going forward. But hopefully it'll, it'll continue. And as a young black director, as a young black yeah, director right, who cool. worked on a bunch of other projects, old. think about how great that is. Like, I don't know a lot of producers. I know him. I mean, this is his only third movie. Yeah. Third movie. That's insane. Free Go Station, Creed. And then they get $200 then, million. Dollars yeah. the, most, the most money ever given to a black director, ever. The most money ever. And this is only his third film. Man, it's just, it's just crazy. But you saw with Creed, the talent was obviously there. He could handle a franchise. He, he made could, Sylvester yeah. Stallone act again. Yeah, I mean, Sylvester Stallone had to act in a movie in 30 years. <laughs> that is true. Name me any time as Sylvester Stallone ever conveyed an emotion to you that you cared about. Rocky called cancer. I felt kind of bad about that, man. But he had... He, did, he certainly didn't act in Demolition Man. No. None of them expendable joints. Not for real. <clears throat> I mean, the last time that Sylvester Stallone tried to convey an emotion in the movie probably was the first Rocky. Ryan Coogler made that, that, that old man get in there and put his tears on. He, he actually got Sylvester Stallone to win an award. Now, I, I will say that Sly That's did kind of half-acting John Rambo, the most recent Rambo joint. I actually like that. I, I, I thought that he the last had a being real angry and mean. The, and listen, man, he did the, the, the only time he acted in the Rambo joint was the first one, <laughs> where he was like yelling at the, at the That the is true. Yeah. I didn't ask me. You asked me. I didn't ask you. That was the last time like, he played like, an angry bet. Wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, now, let me just ask you all, just as a general, um, you know, just kind of a general uh, take of the movie. Uh, Taj, I want to ask you first, um, just what, what did you just think of the movie overall? Um, you know, do you think that it lived up to the hype? And what was kind of your, I don't want to say your favorite moment, but what, what, what's something that stuck out to your head about it? Just anything um, that happened to you. Really, when I was watching the movie, the first thing I was thinking was, oh, Thank you. When I was watching the movie, I was like, all right, this is great. Now, the theater I went to, I wish there was more, a few more black people in it, you know what I mean? We was dressed up like Black Panthers, me and my homie over there. Y'all can't see him, but he probably walked past the screen in a little while, homie Javon. But one of the things, I, I love how you like really got to see black culture. Like Something that really stuck out to me, they tried to get every been a black culture they could, like dude with the clay, the clay in his lip. Yes. Like, think about how extreme that is, cultural-wise. Like, what's <coughs> wrong with his lip? I bet you there's like a couple people who went home and actually tried to research, but they probably even learned something. And how the female warriors were based off real female warriors in real life. Now, I, I almost wish it wasn't someone black killing someone black. It wasn't black on black crime, but if you really look at it, you see that's another black actor who could have been replaced by a white actor, so therefore, it is what it is, and you see two different ideas, almost like a Mark, Martin Luther King and Malcolm type thing. Or really, it kind of reminds me of the plot of X Men a little bit. It was. No, I, 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 I no, I, that's absolutely uh, a lot that I took out of it because I, I know that um, uh, Stan Lee 
when he ori- originated the first uh, X Men. That, that's yeah. who they were based so, on. All right, this on, is on almost kind of the same thing. But what really stuck out to me is in the end, he said, "If you die, bury me in the ocean." I can't. I can't remember exactly what he said. Let's save that discussion about Killmonger and that, and that last Killmonger was right you know, because no, because <laughs> because that Killmonger line was the coldest line. Yeah. How many cold ago. lines though? But that was the coldest. Yeah. That was by far. You tell us like, stand up. You had a king now. Yeah, man. <laughs> There's so much to quote from that joke. You had a king now. T-shirts demanded would be made off this movie. Made off this movie. But anyway. So let's kind of get into some of the, the cultural aspects of, of Black Panther. So a lot of people on TV are talking about this is like the first great, you know, black superhero movie I've ever seen. And I remind people, man, you guys can't hear my man Wesley Snipes with Blade because Blade, Blade to, a lot of, to, to a lot of times, that actually saved now, Marvel now, Studios. Now, hold on. When, when you talk about the black superheroes, you got to go all the way back. Okay, yeah, before Blade. Let's Let's go go on. On. But, I mean, when you think about the black superheroes in, in the cinema, who I think you're going to mention. You're going to mention yeah, When you talk about <laughs> Blank Man. Oh, no. <laughs> you talk about it's Meteor Man. Uh, Meteor no, Man. No, brother, no. You talk about Leonard Part 6. You know what I'm saying? No. Bill Cosby with the underarm rocket. <laughs> like, this was literally, you talk about black black superheroes in film. That's what, no. that's what they had before Catwoman. Uh, yeah, yeah, Catwoman. The Holly Berry joint. The Holly Berry joint. I came along a little bit later, but yeah, that was like, you had two serious superheroes. You had Michael Jai White, Lance Vaughn. Yeah, low budget, but yeah. And, and you yeah, had Wesley Snipes and movie. Blake. I mean, so <clears throat> we saw them bring... But, but the difference, though, with those characters is that T'Challa and Black Panther is an explicitly black character. Yes. Right, I mean... Blade has a very narrow sort of fantasy hunting vampires mentality. There are certainly elements of it that you can speak to to race. It's the same thing with Spawn, but those characters they could essentially be. They yeah, stay, yeah, they stayed away from that. Those characters could, if you change the race of the character, could be white characters. I mean, yeah. T'Challa is a quintessential African character. He's a quintessential black character. Yeah, number and, one. Number two, the money that's putting put into Black Panther alone is it's I mean, crazy. Yeah, I mean, when you look, you look at the low budget of Spawn or the first Blade, it's nowhere to set. I mean, this is a mainstream movie, right, with A-plus dollars behind it. There's no, there's no cutting corners. There's no fake CG or, you know, you did it off your 56K computer. No, this is primetime movie real estate that was given to this character. Now, now, let me ask you something, because, you know, they had a couple of other sidebar, sidekick characters. You had Rhodey, James Rhodes, right. in, in Iron Man. Right. You had Falcon, who was uh, the sidekick of Captain America. Luke Cage out recently, uh, yeah. And Luke Cage, I think, was kind of a turning point, because you had, you know, you had Falcon, and you had, um, uh, you had Rhodey, who, War they, Machine, yeah, yeah. that didn't really have a lot of African-Americanism to him. Luke Cage in the community, yeah. Luke Cage was like a turning point. Yeah, it it seemed like that's when you really started to get some of that pride out there. Do you think that that kind of helped usher that in? Because people, I mean, Luke Cage was huge on Netflix. Do you think that that Luke movie Cage broke Netflix? I mean, I always, I don't think you can really underestimate what Luke Cage meant to <clears throat> this new genre of black superheroes going forward. Because like Luke Cage literally broke Netflix. I was so excited to see it, and it was a black character in Harlem tackling black issues, 
with black villain for the most part and had the soundtrack from you know, all the all the titles of Luke Cage came straight from Gangstar album titles. Right, right. You know, had the routine soundtrack throughout with guest appearance by Method Man, you know, halfway through the series. So you you cannot get more Harlem, New York than Luke Cage. And that kind of really opened things up. And then once that opened up, then you had the Black Lightning, which came out a month before. Did that, did that go well? I, I haven't actually seen it. Black Lightning is, is awesome. I haven't actually watched it. Maybe you get a new theme song, though. He, I don't know what low-budget rapper they got to do to uh, Black Lightning. Whoever that is. That's actually the director's son. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely an inside <laughs> job. So, yeah. Black Lightning is back. It's like, what? And the costume is suspect, too. But outside of that, What's TV? The, the, yeah. the superhero TV costumes are always true. We were trying to figure out uh, on the show on Main Event Sports on Saturday who had the worst uniform. Was it Hancock or Black Lightning? Did, he, did Hancock even? Oh, at the very end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black with an eagle on the back of it looked like a motorcycle jacket. Yeah. It was horrible. That's one of the many Will's fumbles. Hancock was horrible. That was like a homeless superhero. I was young when that movie came out. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was gangster. I'm sure you did. See, I was young. He was like four. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was young. I was like yeah, seven or eight. Okay. Yeah. Like, oh, you at least chalking it up, too. He's like, gangster. He's throwing right. white kids in the air. Right, right, right. But, right, right. right. but the Black Lightning actually set um, a viewing record for CW. And it's like the highest debut superhero show on the CW. And Black Lightning, if you haven't seen Black Lightning, go watch it. You can download the CW app for free. You can't get to CW. And watch all the episodes of Black Lightning. It is very well written, very well directed, very well acted. This was this is actually very, very good. Scooter's on there. Free Williams. Is this Annie Free Williams? Yeah. Yeah, this is very, Proves very Black don't practice. He's like 50 years old and you wouldn't. Yeah, Black does not practice. Real quick, how do you Jill think. Scott's on there too. How do you think Michael B. Jordan. And Chadwick Boseman. How do, you, how, do you, how do you think they are? 28. Start, start, with, start with Michael B. Jordan. How do you think? Michael I mean, I think Michael B. Jordan about 27, 28. Michael B. Jordan is 31. How old do you think Chadwick Boseman is? About Boseman is. Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman, I think, is like in his late 30s, early 40s. He's 41. Yeah. Wow, really? Exactly. Yeah. Black <laughs> don't crack, baby. Yes, black don't crack. You know, it might be, has some sludge in it, but it don't crack. <laughs> Every time I see him in the movie, I'm, that's the, yeah. James, did y'all watch the James Brown? Yes, yeah, this is yes. when they had him playing everybody. That's another thing I don't really like. He's, he's he need to slow down. He played Dragon, James Brown. So, like, I'm over here looking at him. He's here walking into James Brown. This little James Brown walk to the throne. And I'm like, oh, look at that. I can see the James Brown. I'm like, yeah, he, need to swag. he need to slow down. He, he played Jackie Robinson, James Brown, yeah, Thurgood Marshall. He's going to play Michelle Obama next. I mean, come on. <laughs> the man's playing every black hero you can think of. Literally. Yeah, it's like, come on, bro. He's played them all. Hey, mommy. <laughs> mommy, that's I wonder who's next. But anyway, so what do you guys think of, like, because the, the big thing about the reduced Black Panther so far, everybody's talking about the cultural relevance of Black Panther, just how culturally relevant it is, just it. how game-changing it is. Is it really the game-changer that people think it is? I don't know if it's a game-changer. I mean, I, I certainly think that it, it shows you there's an audience, there's a mainstream audience for it these films can work, not only domestically, internationally. That was always an issue for black films in the, in the modern era, which is, they can do well domestically, we know that, but when they go to China or Japan or other parts of the world, uh, and I think it's pretty clear that Black Panther's doing so. Uh, but we'll see, I mean, I think, I think it is the ultimate bourgeois nationalism to think just because you put your money into the pocket of a studio or a company like Disney, 
that suddenly they're going to open their, their pocketbooks open and say, oh yeah, we're going to do we're going to do right by you. I mean, this was unique in that from top to bottom. I mean, Ryan Coogler went out of his way to research different aspects of African culture, different aspects of different African you know, communities and, and countries, and put that into the film and really went out of his way to be detailed in it, from the costumes to the script to the actors he selected. That won't be like that every time. Yeah. Right? Like, like, don't trust Disney to tell them stories for you. I mean, Ryan could talk about how he's going to be the executive producer on Creed. Homegirl who played Suri, uh, I think it was one of the breakout roles. Letitia Wright. She, she talked about how, yeah, Denisha Wright, uh, she talked about how she wants to be a producer. Right? So it, this does not let the, the studios off the hook by any means, but still, the best to tell your stories are you. No, to, to me, what, what this means for me is going forward, because what's going to happen, I think you're going to see a lot of independent black artists, black directors, and black actors get more of a chance than he did before. Especially with all these movies being shot in Atlanta. Because like this has been shot in Atlanta, Infinity Wars was shot in Atlanta, um, I Atlanta's think, uh, a national city. Yeah. It is. I think a Civil War was also mostly shot in Atlanta as well. So a lot of the, the big budget Marvel movies being shot in the chocolate capital of the world, at least of the United States. I think you'll see like a lot of smaller, medium-sized, independent studios kind of able to glean some extra dollars right. to get their shows put on, whether it's online with Netflix, or whether it's Hulu, or whether it's whatever streaming service may be. I think there's more avenues for that. And, you know, and just like everything else in America, everybody likes to follow suit. So you're going to see Disney, or DC rather, they're going to try to push, I'm sure, Cyborg. And be like, I was thinking they were going to go with Dixon. I, I, I think you I think well, got to give a sister a chance. Listen, I was thinking Cyborg, I was thinking it was going to do like the Black Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. And go that route. Because they have like two A-list superheroes that have to be black. But they now can pull out and be like, well, Black Panther did all this money. We can yeah, but DC's trash though overall, man. I mean, they, they, they bungled it. I mean, but they did. They did bungle it. I like Suicide Squad. Okay, I'm, I'm going to know that. So, so here's the thing. So <laughs> you like Suicide Squad at all? It was all right. I like Suicide Squad. I like Suicide Squad. I like it. Right. it was all right at best. But to me, the thing is, like, and that's why I think DC's one. If DC was smart, DC would like not. to do a Wonder Woman. They're not. You just no, I know they're not they smart. They do Wonder Woman? Like to do a Wonder Woman. So Wonder Woman, they gave Wonder Woman like a $135 million budget and was like, here, go ahead, direct Wonder Woman, because we, we don't think it'll be that good. So we're going to let you just do what you do. we kind of leave you alone. And Wonder Woman wound up being the best of the DC Universe films, by far, right. not even close. If they were smart, they would get somebody, maybe like a Ryan Coogler, but there's, like, there's a whole bunch of other black directors you can get. But here, here's $150 million. Go do Cyborg, go and write it, we'll leave you alone, knock yourself out, and then trust the process. But again, I think that part of it has to, you have to, to count all the different equations here. I mean, there is, there is something unique about, even different from Luke Cage and War Machine, <coughs> Falcon, and other black characters, in that Black Panther is not a sidekick by any means. And he's also the, a king of a whole different nation. So he occupies a different space in our, in our Pan-African imagination, right? Like Luke Cage, even his, his heroism is contained to a neighborhood, right? Like he still operates within the structures of a white-dominated society or, or U.S. U.S. government. Rhodey is a soldier, right? So he only goes as far as the ranks of the military. 
Falcon only goes as far as Captain America as a character goes. T'Challa is not contained by that. Right? He is fully and completely autonomous from top to bottom. He is a ruler of his own nation country. Right. So he can so you can put him in many different settings as a character um, that you can't and for, for this one for other characters I think that sometimes force you to challenge a system that sometimes the even the storytelling contains you from telling. Like Luke Cage at a certain point in the show, he would want to fight the police, right? Like even though he's this bulletproof superhero, you kinda of wonder, well why not? Like really why like you have superpowers and you still don't want to fight the police. Like, <laughs> Like that don't make no sense. So, so like, so there's even within the storytelling of this fantasy a certain level of restraint. I think. Well, and the thing I like about it, and this is probably the biggest thing for me, is that it's kind of like they kind of changed the genre of kids' movies um, several years back with Shrek. Because when Shrek came out, you I had the movies that had both the comedy for the adults and the parents that went over the kids' heads, and then the kids had a lot of things that they liked and things that they thought were funny in the movie. And I think that Black Panther did a lot of that too, because I think they did a lot of things to make sure they grasped the audience as a whole to things they would like and be like, really wow and ooh. But there are a lot of subtle things that unless you, you know, have been living in this African-American experience, you might miss. Oh, definitely. And, and there was a lot there was of a lot of, There was a lot of black dog whistles up in that joint. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that's what I love about it, because it gets <laughs> the message out there to a very large base as a whole. It makes it really popular, but at the same time, it gets the message out to a lot of folks that need to, you know, be, be uh, you know, awakened of a lot of those types of, of things. So I, that's the thing I probably like about it the most, is that it just communicates on so many different levels to where it can be cool and also still be very important. You know what I mean? Now, speaking of dog whistles, let's talk about, like, like some of those right now specifically, let's talk about Killmonger and his motivation. Oh, hell, kill. King Killmonger as Kendrick Lamar, just, you know, the king's dead, which is the hardest track, by the way, in that Black Panther album. That's the hardest track. Yes. The, the one, which is the Killmonger song. So, about Killmonger. Check that out. What do you got? Everybody's saying this is Marvel's greatest villain, maybe outside of Loki. Yeah. It's Killmonger, which I, I can go. I, I, can, I would say Killmonger, for me, is like the second best comic book movie villain of all time. Who's the first? Well, he's a Joker. Oh, okay. You're talking about as far as movie performances yeah. of, the, of the recent yeah. yeah, I mean, he played his Joker's like, right. that's right. a whole different level of, yeah, of that villain. The thing about him being a villain, the thing about him being a villain is, he's a villain, but you like him. It's like, I like him. It's like, yo, I can, I can, I can see where he's coming from. There's gonna be people who's gonna see where he's coming from, so it's like, yeah, he's a villain, but is he right? Well, I, I think that was the thing about it was he, he portrayed so much of just, you know, the, the, the current status and temperature of the way a lot of young folks think. Where, where to where you have, he went through the struggles, but he also showed that he was a college graduate. He showed that he was very educated. Right. You know, he went to the highest ranks in the military. So he wasn't some thug off the street that was banging and just being quote unquote ignorant. You see what I'm saying? Like that, that they tried to put through the fact that he came out. He was in the in the museum talking about the art. Mm-hmm. You know, very intelligent. You know, there with the glasses on, explaining. You know, the things that were going on, asking questions, and that's what I liked about it is the fact that he was able to show his intelligence while also speaking on topics that you know and things that, that black folks have been dealing with 
for a very long time, and, and I like that 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 that, that diversity to it. I, I thought it was really key. Well, he, I mean, like I said, I think Tasha mentioned it earlier. I wanted to get this reaction to this movie from different audiences. I, I would love to hear what black folks from the continent think, those from the West Indies think, from all parts of the diaspora. And you know what bumped that? Let's be honest. Killmonger was a spook who sat by the door. Yeah, I mean, he, to me, he represents Black America. But this, but this time, he went through the door and was like, "I'm kicking the door down." But, but even oh, in that for those time, haven't seen it, I, I gotta say this. It's like those who, who haven't who's seen it. Don't know my number. Yeah, go Google the spook who sat by the door by Sam Greenwood. It would change your life. That's All like, five people who've seen that movie when it came out. It was, it was banned by the FBI. I mean, good lord. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna backtrack. For those who haven't seen the spook who sat by the door, I I can explain this a little bit. The spook who sat by the door was uh, was written in the '70s at the height of the Black Exploitation Era by the government by a writer from Chicago named Sam Greenlee. The whole plot of the movie is the first Black FBI agent. He hides out, becomes the first Black FBI agent, and then oh, CIA. See, well, what, what, it doesn't matter. FBI, CIA, same difference. CIA agent. Oh, sorry. Thank you. So he leaves the CIA and he goes back to NMC Chicago to help the gangs and to get gangs off the street and to, and to help them with their wayward ways. But what he's really doing, he gets the gangs off the street, but then he trains the gangs in CIA covert tactics and warfare. See, I don't think it's the same. I mean, again, like that's, but, but, but that's but, in the but, American but, context. But, but that's basically what Killmonger wanted to do. I mean, he Killmonger didn't have to train anyone. I mean, no, yeah, train anybody because Wakanda already has spies. I, I think that Killmonger is more like Magneto in the sense I of said it. he is yeah, not yeah. a. I walked out of that movie I wondering who is the villain. I mean, I, I didn't see a villain in the. I King T'Challa is more the villain uh, than anything else because he's the one who kills his brother and leaves uh, a child who is his nephew to. To basically fend for himself in America, but to me, I mean, I think certainly Killmonger represents Black America, and the reason I say that is this: at the near the end of the movie, you have T'Challa and Killmonger fighting it out, and T'Challa says to Killmonger, "You are you have become just like the people who have oppressed you. You have just the same militaristic mindset that they have." And certain reviews of Black Panther pointed out that look. T'Challa has a more utopic viewpoint. He grew up in an all-African utopia for all of his life, which he believes in justice, whereas Killmonger has a very cynical view of the world because of his experience being black in America. And it's always been said that African Americans occupy at the center of the American empire a different perspective than people from the other parts of the diaspora. So I, I certainly got from, from this movie the message that I think Ryan Coogler and others were trying to send was that, you know, the way you interpret art is more about you than the art. So there's no right or wrong answer. If you, if you think Killmonger is the villain, fine, that's, that's perfectly okay. But I do think that there is a part of this where there's the, the ongoing debate about how Africans see themselves, how African Americans see uh, Africa and themselves, and all parts of the diaspora. That's, that's what I got from the movie. Killmonger, I view Killmonger as right, but that doesn't mean he is. That's how I interpret the art from my perspective. But to me, it's certainly an ignition of some sort of debate over pan-Africanism and how we all interpret white supremacy and, and white institutions and how we negotiate our spaces with white people. That, that to me is what the movie really is about. You know, I, I, you know what, and, and sometimes I can't agree, but I, to me, when I, when I was watching the movie, the first thing that came to my mind was the spook who sat by the door, because that plot, because the plot was so similar. No, it wasn't similar yeah, at all. I mean, no, it, it, it was similar to the fact that he wanted to start the revolution. And he was that one element, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big element, though. I mean, that was like, I mean, that was that was 
pretty a big element. But, but the, the, said, remember, the school attack out the door was someone who was being rebellious, right? Who started a guerrilla war. Killmonger was not trying to start a guerrilla war. That was an overt war. He was saying, we're a superpower with the means to take create it. liberation. We're going to take it for yeah, people of color do, throughout the world. Gonna we're going to do it. That's a very different starting point. Some people see that as wrong. Some people see that as right. It's a bigger starting point, but it's like you had the same idea. Ah, you're right. We're taking over. Ah, I got you. I got you. The only difference is. Take the L on that one, bro. Take the L. I'm not taking the L. You and your home court, you can take the L on your. U of L's taking all kinds of L's on your home court. You can take one too. Ooh. Hey, but you know what? Now, I will say, I personally didn't answer. You know, I, I understand. I know, right? You're hard. I, I understood Killmonger's plight, and I understood, and I understand the plight of what's going on. I understand the mentality of that. But like I told Haven on the show Saturday, I don't necessarily agree with you know just basically kill. Just <laughs> basically kill everybody off, and then now, 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 now we're running it. That's what's you know, I, I, I just think that. You know, it wouldn't be any wrong with them. It, it, it would be. We ain't just you know, I, I just, I just necessarily the, the means by which to get there, um, are, were a bit extreme. Like going and just basically blowing up everybody. Now we, now we run everything in every country. You know, that's that's still world domination. You know, regardless of of, of what their skin color looks which like, which is what Chala said still, in the, the world domination. In the fight, he, he reminded Killmonger that that anger has infected you. Yep. That white supremacy that you're seeking to fight has also affected your mindset because now you're coming from, from the same militaristic standpoint of so that means you're going to kill a whole bunch of people. He said it in the speech. Right. He said we're going to yeah. kill them and their babies and, and anybody call them Muhammad Muhammad and we're basically going to kill everybody. Right. And, there, and there's a consequence to that. There's a toll that that's, takes that's on that your... Turner, exactly. That. But that, there's a psychological toll that it takes. And I think the movie did send a message. Like I said, I think Killmonger represents black America. There's a toll that dealing with this Oh yeah, supremacy all the time. We'll tell. I mean, we know it here in Louisville. I mean, look at Lewis Coleman. I mean, look at look at anybody who's involved in black struggle for a long period of time. They usually die of stress. Yeah, it breaks you down. It definitely breaks you down. I mean, it's a guy who's you know been a neighborhood activist even on a small level. I mean, ain't you the dude who ruined the Walmart? Ain't that you? <laughs> that was, oh yeah, that's you. That's you. That's why I can't get my toilet paper for five dollars right here. Uh, yeah, what, David Harrington, the man who stopped Walmart. Walmart. Hey, bro. Uh, what did he do? He stopped. The reason why you can't. The reason why you can't get. Toilet paper for three dollars instead of four dollars. It's because this man right here. He's not the Walmart man. Bill. Hey, man. I am without a shadow of a doubt hey. the most powerful black man Listen. in the entire country because I single-handedly stopped a multi-trillion-dollar company. Was, I was there was from you. coming from coming to West Louisville by myself. It was amazing. What did you say? I told him, no, stop. You should not go there. Hey, and it was, it was, they were terrified. Be proud of yourself. Hey, hey, the, hey, the bottom line is this. I think by far, <laughs> Black Panther was the most thought-provoking uh, of any Marvel movie that's ever been created. I, I think that so many stars are born on that stage, and I think it's going to have ripple effects in you know all types of African-American film uh, you know, all the way down the line. Um, so I, 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 I loved it. I loved everything about it. Um, I cannot wait for Infinity War because this was all the setup yeah, yeah, yeah. for Infinity War coming. Thanos finally makes his grand entrance. Um, so, I mean, it, I, I think it was great. Um, and Before we get off subject, I do got one more thing to say. Before we get off subject. Absolutely. I do think this film is going to set an expectation, an expectation for black excellence. Now, Absolutely. there's going to be some filmmakers who want to portray black people in a negative way and honestly, after this movie, I feel like a lot of people ain't going to go for that. 
not only is it showing people my age and younger people and even some older folks, we all learn different things about our culture, see different things, but now there's gonna be little kids growing up. Have you seen the video of the little kids saying, oh, I'm this one, I'm this one? You got these black characters that look up to Nah, I'm not Superman. I'm Black Panther, I'm, I'm King T'Challa, I'm King this, I'm King Taj. That's, that's gonna affect the way somebody grows up now. Someone's gonna grow up wanting to be that. They've seen that now, it's in their mind. They're gonna look for more things like that and when they see the opposite, they're gonna get turned off. But yeah, that's really what I think on that. I there you go. From, from Big Man Tiles, wrapping up our Black Panther talks. Hey, go see it. Great movie. Take care of your family, relatives. You already know what happens now because you've watched this and it's been spoiled. Yeah, you watch before. it. They know but you might as well still watch it, though. But watch anyway. Go watch it again. Go watch it again because I'm, 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 I'm really interested to see, once again, read more comics, what people really think about Killmonger once they really kind of distill him down and kind of absorb what he is because... And I'm not even sure he may actually may not actually be dead, really. It's small for me. They might come back to life. They ain't no, dead yet. No, because, okay, spoiler alert. Once again, a future. Spoiler alert. A future. So things have been I know, right? Alert. A future spoiler alert. <laughs> because he became a Black Panther, anybody, all the other Black Panthers can now commune with Killmonger because he was a Black Panther for like 12 hours. True. So... They can always bring them back. That's a nice angle. I didn't think about that. Man. Yeah, so they can always bring them back. But I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see now that, Wakanda's o- now that Wakanda has opened up to the world. Like, what happens? If no Thanos attacks Wakanda. All I know is this. That's going to be nice. We ain't winning the war unless Wakanda's leading the way. And, <laughs> and I love the way they set that up. Because Thanos ain't going down with using them little pop guns that they was talking about at the beginning of the no, no. People start selling fake vibranium. I got this vibranium on the low. You know what? They talk about winning wars with pop guns and fake pop guns. What's up with U of L's offense? Man, that was an interesting segue. <laughs> and, I know, right? And, and, <laughs> hey, we've done this before. We've done this before. <laughs> a couple of times. Hey, we're going to get into that and much, much more. We are here live, 1201 South 1st Street, home on the pizza and pub. It's going down. Philip Bailey, Taj Rice, Haven, Rashawn taking care of you guys. This is Main Event Sports TV Live, and we'll be back. We're back. Let's keep on going. Let's go straight through. Yeah, we can cut. We, can cut. we just we, we have to. Oh, so we're not really going back. No, no. But no. we went back. This yeah. is this is a TV back. So yeah, oh, this TV. So it's a TV it. back. So it's all the guys on Facebook like, what's going on? This is, this, this is not <laughs> Ryan right. Coogler's. Uh, yeah, it is. Black Panther. Fuck Scott. Yeah, we we can we can take it. You can take a take a two or three if you want. No, let's just, let's just keep on going. I mean, so, yeah, he's I'm, gone. I'm yeah, keep, keep it moving, keep it moving. Keep I'm it moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it going. Like, so Todd took a break to go check on our pizza. No more with that. So, no, hey, let's, let's continue on. What's up with the greatness that is the University of Louisville fighting Cardinals, the big team? Um, you know what? I was kind oh, of... Oh, before we get too much further. So, people don't know, Louisville got blown out by, by UNC by 15 points. So this man owes me a dollar because uh, Wednesday before the game, I told him, man, I don't think Louisville's going to do it. I thought Louisville was going to lose by 15. He told me, no, they're not going to lose. Louisville has never lost to UNC at home, and they're not going to lose now. I didn't sound like that. Yeah, you did. You sound just like the rock, like the old broke rock. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to look at it like this. All right, David Padgett has done a great job. I commend him for taking an impossible situation. Oh, okay. And trying clean to it up, get, clean it up. Trying to get he the most out of it that good, he can. But I think at this point, and he got frustrated with me in the press conference, and that's okay. He rolled his eyes at me a couple times. It's all right, it's fine. 
I gotta ask the questions. Uh, we, we got a lot of media in this town that's scared to talk and ask these coaches questions. I'm not one of them. So I asked the question of That's how Mike King Bullish coming out. How is it how is it that you have a team that's struggling, that has their biggest game at home with an opportunity to get a huge win versus North Carolina, and you have your team come out and play sloppy? Mm. Lazy, mm. unfocused, well. and pretty much just going through the motions like it's my, any other game. And he said that you know he just thought, well, I thought North Carolina hit some threes at the beginning of the game. No, coach, no. It's called defense. Coach. No, coach. It's called I don't know everything that you need to do to be a good head coach. And while David Patrick's done a good job, it is plain and simple that he's in over his head right now. Now that doesn't mean that Louisville can't win a game or two down the stretch here. They have a road game at Virginia Tech coming up this weekend. They got another road game uh, uh, at NC State the end of the season. If they win one or both of those games, what will still make the turn? What about Duke? Um, they play at Duke on Wednesday. I, I, I Louisville has the ability to win the game, but I just don't think they have the belief. I, I see a team that's, I don't want to say quitting, but that look like they're mentally checked out with it. Yeah. I, I had a prominent businessman in Louisville text me about a month ago saying, <clears throat> who do you think will uh, be here next year? David Padgett or Greg Postman? And this businessman told me that he clearly thought Padgett would be here longer than interim U of L president Greg Postman. And he texted me last night saying, I take that back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that uh, Yeah, man, it, it's... It's a, it's a dark time, man. I, I come from this from a different perspective. You know, as a lifelong U of L Cards fan, I look at it like this. Oh, and we on Facebook Live, so maybe I can say this without the censors bleeding me out. Oh, no, 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 uh, here. I feel like with U of L, it's almost like if you walked in on your wife Oof. getting gangbanged. <laughs> man, you are. I need a little time to get over this. I'm, I'm still in love. I'm still committed. But I, I need a little bit of time to. <laughs> so, and maybe because it's part of it's being a reporter. So you still committed? Yeah, I'm, I'm still I'm still in love, but I'm not really, you know, I'm not. I got I, I got to take a break. We got we got we got we got to depart for a little. We got to we got to live in separate homes for a little bit. So for me, I kinda, I kind of checked out. I kind of checked out from the University of Louisville for a couple of months now. But yeah, I mean, I think I, you're certainly right. I mean, they're struggling. Oh my God. Man, you know what? Uh, now we're gonna take like a little break. We've got some uh, camera issues here. While we, uh... you ain't got that Kugler money? No, probably not. <laughs> I, I need some of Ryan Kugler money. Y'all supposed to pay us? We ain't got paid yet. Yeah, yeah. He's not right. He ain't got no check yet, man. But $200 million dollars, man, if a sports show could be all over. If you hadn't blocked that Walmart, you'd have that. But you want to play games with money. You want to play games with jobs and everything else. See? I ain't allowed to be working at Walmart. God was on the side of Walmart. I know that black gonna be there. I'd have been working at Walmart. God was on Walmart's side, and you wasn't. You know, if God was on Walmart's side, Walmart would be here. No, that's not true. You blocked it. Hey, you black God. So I black God. I'm, I'm like extra power. I'm like apocalypse. I'm like the first mutant. Good Lord. Oh, man. These are all sorts of superhero powers now. Uh-huh. I'm like Moses. How you going to hit on my man for being light-skinned when you just one step above the I was wondering. I was wondering. They look real close. Yeah, I was like, come on, brother. 
It's just like Brown put bag test for the He said we darkness. Beige on beige. You know what? Talking about speaking of brown on brown kind. Yes. Well, we need to talk about serious business while we're waiting for the camera to change. Serious business out there for people and Facebook land. We need to talk about this one on white crime. So why don't white crime has got out of control? We had another school shooting. Oh, in Florida. Florida. Oh. Yeah, we had they another got school a, you, shooting. You remember what they got to do? These white kids are killing other white kids at like astronomical rates. Uh-huh. Astronomical rates. Man, we, we need the, a presidential commission. We need something to deal with all this white on white crime going on there. Not, hopefully Trump, uh, the senators, McConnell, and uh, y'all must get together form a white on white crime coalition to tackle all this white on white crime that's going on. How many schools should we have to see where young white kids are murdered? So wait, you think something's going to change? Did you hear what JCBS is doing? You think something's going to change? These young white kids are being murdered. I mean, you sound like you think something's going to change. By older white kids. By older white kids. Something uh-huh. has to stop. We have to stop this white on white crime. This is rampant. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's going. It's going too far. You think something's gonna change? Of course not. You know that's oh, super. Okay. You know that's super <laughs> predators. Hold on. They are super predators. They're super predators. <laughs> yeah. Something's gonna change. No, no. They're not gonna change. Interesting segue you just had there, though. I was super awesome predators, wasn't it? I mean, man, no wonder you. When he ain't got no sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> They're bringing in actors in the JCBS to yeah, act in like school shooting, like blanks and guns and blanks. Really? You hear about that, B? They're bringing in the actors of JCBS, and we're gonna do the uh, school shooting thing. They got actors coming in with AR, fake bullets, and everything. Oh, they do the drills. Yeah, yeah that ain't. Yeah, t- yeah. Tell them they need not do that, rubber, like rubber bullets and all that. We got gangsters in our school. We don't need to do yeah. all that. Somebody got hurt. I think I got out just in time. They had a security guy, but he didn't have no gun when I was in school. Now we got all the stoppies from going to the Wendy's or something like that. It wasn't no, you know, what, somebody would break, you know, come into school to beat somebody up, but there wouldn't be no shoot. No, that's not, that's, that's like fisticuffs. That's different. It's right. just like, hey, Max, is it the bat? Uh, is it the battery? Do you have a, um? The, the, does your phone have the ability to plug in through AC? Uh, AC adapter? Okay. Um, my phone. Your camera. Yeah. Oh, so while trying to make a mental note to <clears throat> So while, while we're getting our technical difficulties, the camera yes. squared away. Yes. Um, let's continue on with uh, with uh, something else, man. You know, because we kind of stopped it with the whole U of O coverage. So let's see what else we can. All right, man. All right, y'all. Hey. All right. Have a good one. Have a good one. You know, y'all know. No, nah, 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 hey, man, you look loaded. Just walking, I was scared. Old Louisville, what's up? Listen, Louisville, you don't know what happens when they see the in the neighborhood. That is like, listen, Old Louisville is an interesting neighborhood, man, because Old Louisville is the one place where you'll see a pretty well-to-do couple. I, I think like a couple of business people live down and up in Old Louisville. Then you'll see like some of clearly on like some drugs, or you'll see maybe a, a transgender oh, prostitute. Oh, you'll see a. You'll, like, you'll see a lot out of oh, like, it just depends on what corner you are, man. It's a real diverse name. It's a really, it is, you know, very interesting cross. No, no, you're one of the transgender no, prostitutes. It's, it's true. You know what I'm saying? We live alone. We gotta get out of that corner. I'm about to say, you wanna know? <laughs> no, we gotta get out of that corner. Nervous on me. Hey, man, we gotta, we gotta avoid that corner down. Oh, Cows, hey, I can't go over there. Hey, I'm gonna do the duke now. Hey, that's what y'all got going on in the UofL's campus area? Ooh, ooh, talk about that Denny. Oh, wait, you already, you, I forgot, you are, so you going to Duke, though, you already got the UFL rivalry jokes going, but oh, they don't yeah. really have a rivalry with Duke, though, right? Not really. Not in football. Nah, not yet. Will we play, y'all? 
I promise to God I'm gonna try to ball on everybody. And I'm gonna ball on camera and on y'all. Oh I'm man. To, um, See, that's what happens when you skip on the local recruits, man. I'm gonna make everyone hurt. Okay. They, yeah, it is. They did offer me first before any other school did. I'm not saying that. But due to Louisville's, uh, our issues that we have socially downtown at the moment, I would like to leave. Y'all got players getting shot. Duke don't got no players getting shot. Oh, I. Well, there's also that. That's my homie. Yeah, there is that internal investigation. That's my homie as well. I forgot about that real quick. Yeah, that's real. That's what's up. And no wonder y'all can't get no UNL guests on this show. You got the man bashing the coach. You got the man. Man. Hey, we keeps it real. Man. We keep it My homie just signed a little bit. Look, I hope y'all ball. There you go. Not against us, though. We try to get a yard. That's right. Hey. It's real. It's real. I mean, you know what? We can go ahead and get in. I'm going to ask this. I didn't think we was going to be able to get this on the show anyway. Lamar Jackson, Bill Polian. Okay, I don't know if you all have seen his comments. No. But Bill Polian, the uh, he's the, oh, the owner of the Colts. Owner of the Colts keeps coming out here running his mouth talking about. I think Lamar Jackson's a wide receiver in the NFL. Well, we've heard him say this. I, I think Lamar Jackson's a wide receiver Man, at least two or three times. Tell that boy stop. And he just keeps. Saying this over and over again, like I feel as if it's starting to become like the code word. Yeah. Everybody who's so calling them a code, code word. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I, I keep hearing because literally nobody's ever seen Lamar Jackson run around. Nobody's ever seen Lamar Jackson catch a football. He's never like unlike Teddy Bridgewater, who actually played wide receiver in high school. He actually played yeah, wide receiver in, in, in high school. Lamar's never played wide receiver. He's never been anything but a quarterback. But yet, still, I keep hearing all these guys come out and talk about, I think he's a wide receiver at the next level. And the excuse that they always use is, well, he's going to get hurt playing quarterback. What position do you get hit more at? Wide receiver or quarterback? Man, you go across that middle, they're going to hit him something tough. You're guaranteed to get hit wide receiver. He's going to get popped. So if you are playing wide receiver, why do you think that that's going to keep you from getting hit? Like that, that, that's the the biggest misnomer. I don't understand. Because the reason is when you're a quarterback, he doesn't have the complexion for the protection, <laughs> according to uh, Paul Mooney. So, when when opponents say all this stuff, we don't know the man's high on pain pills again. Remember, he got arrested being high on pain pills. Remember that? He got pulled over. Little blows on this show. Bro. I know, right? We ain't get no fun. I gotta go to the NFL. Never gonna give you the sponsorship. Never, okay? Never, because I'm kicking the coach you out. Put, you had to put a sticky note on the Apple sign and the free <laughs> sign. Hey, I, I did not notice you was doing. You was giving Apple the free promo too. That's it. That's it. And, and, and HP. Oh man, <laughs> love man. the beat. There you go. Jump on the train. But anyway, like I said, the make you know. Who cares? You know, a lot of times with this, it's a lot. It's all a posturing because you want to downgrade a guy, knowing that you may want to draft him first before anybody else. You tell everybody, "Oh, he's garbage." I want to draft him, him. Yeah. and then you try and grab him. You know, it's all. It's also a shit when it comes to the the NFL draft and combines and everything else. So, but honestly, honestly, I think Poland actually believes that and thinks he probably will be a wide receiver. And that was like, that's what you think. Well, I mean, it's just like Matt Miller, uh, who runs Pro Draft Scout. 
continue the whole season talking about he's a system quarterback. He's just more about his legs. He doesn't stand in the pocket. He's not accurate. You know, everything that we hear about every black quarterback everywhere pretty much. Except yeah, ever about Steve Aaron McNamara. He can't grab the system. Like he's, 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 he's not, you know, he's not intelligent enough to grasp the complicated, you know, NFL offenses. We hear all these same things. So we still think that there's a, there's an anti-black quarterback bias, even at 18? Yeah, I think, I think even in 2018. When you look at people saying that Josh Allen, the quarterback at Wyoming, who barely threw for 1,500 yards on the season, ran for about five or 600 yards, had more interceptions than touchdowns. They think he's a top five pick. Oh. Because he's six foot six, He's 235, 240 pounds. And that's a strong and look has the look. Wasn't it Oswald, the tall, real, real tall? Was it Oswald? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's but they this, need to, they need didn't to they do that same thing with the, uh, dude, real with the quarterback for the Bills? Yeah. He had a pretty decent season. Everyone was sort of downplaying him and saying, oh, man, this is Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. You know, Tyrod Taylor. They try to throw away his, his start. So I think he's the black quarterback there with the Bills. And they continue to try to give his spot away to the backup to who the back, never played. To the backup through six interceptions before halftime. I mean, it, <laughs> but, it, but it, what's amazing to me is they continue to talk about the look like they always talked about Drew Bledsoe when he came right. out of Washington State. And they talk about some of these guys that have, you know, I remember Dan McGuire, Mark McGuire's brother. He was an absolute monster coming out of college. He was like 6'8", like 260. And they talked about Big Dan McGuire as his like great, next great quarterback because he had the look. Like, my thing is this, if you look at the quarterbacks across the NFL now, all those guys are different. You have little guys, you have big guys, you have guys that are, you know, kind of sturdy and stiff in the pocket like Brady, but you also have guys like Tyrod Taylor like to run. You have some guys that are mobile like Carson Wentz. So, like, there's literally no type, quote-unquote, in the NFL when you look at the player-to-player to player position. If you but in ball, the drafting service, exactly, but in the drafting service, they still want to look for, the tall, you know, Dolph Lundgren. Dolphin. Wow. Wow. <laughs> they're, they're, looking for, they're looking for Red Scorpion in quarterback. You know? Yeah. It's like, I just don't, I don't understand why they still. You see what I'm talking about? Ryan Lee when he came out. Right, exactly. You know, they always try to hold on to these super tall, six foot four, six foot five guys. You're not suggesting there's a racial problem in the NFL. Of course there is. It is just ridiculous. Yeah, I'm not suggesting. I'm saying it. Oh, yeah. 2018, the fact that they're still doing this is just Nah, remember Gary Jones held their hands and was on both knees. Remember, ain't no racism. No, no. Yeah, yeah, Jerry Jones was on both knees looking real weird holding people's hands and such. Definitely not. While Ray Lewis was laying prostate on the field as well. So I guess there's no more racism in the NFL. But Johnny Manziel coming back. I do want back. to play in the NFL, though. I do want to play in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you want to add it real fast. Don't. It's okay. I'm Don't call on yourself this quick. Get the get the, con- <laughs> the first contract. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is all the things you want to say after that. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I just think it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, I know it's going to happen, and, but it just—it's amazing to me the fact that that's still happening and they're prominent now. Like, it's like really now. Like, 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 how many guys labeled Bridgewater a running quarterback? Come out of your mail when he's like nowhere near a running quarterback. Yeah, they're to say that Teddy Bridgewater was a dual threat quarterback. That just means you're, you're black. Nah. <laughs> you're black. <laughs> he's out no, no, I'm not sure that Teddy had any legs. He gets the ATH position? 
I mean, half athlete. It's like what? It's Alfred ATH. That means he's expected to play everything he could possibly play. Don't nobody know what position he's gonna play yet. He's gonna go out there run around and do something. It's like what position do you play? Athlete. Play ATH. Athlete. Athlete. Yeah, well, I just I just thought that was I thought that was interesting. But this this whole thing's coming up. We got the combine coming up. There was one thing that I did think was interesting about the way um, the way uh, Lamar is going about things. He still hasn't signed with an agent. Now, most players right. have agents like literally as soon as the season's done. Guys find their agents. And what do you think that means? Well, I know that there's a lot of people in the NFL that are upset about it. And, you know, agents always have connections with teams. They have connections with training facilities. They have connections with all these people that try to funnel these guys through. You got steps. And that's interesting to me. Like, the fact that he's not signed with anybody. A lot of the teams don't really have any intel on what he's doing. And literally, they said the only thing they know about what Lamar's doing to get ready for the combine is that he's practicing at a high school with some guys. And some people are saying that, you know, maybe this is going to turn them off to where they don't want to draft Lamar. But I question it. Like, to me, in, in, in my opinion, I think it's just going to be all about what he does at the combine. I mean, do you think it really matters that much that he still doesn't have an agent? I mean, it's risky because everybody has an agent. No, it's like not having an agent is not risky. What's risky is not going to some of the football factories in Florida, like the IMCs and some of those other places, and the working way. out with your your peers, and to me that's that's the biggest thing. Not working out with your peers, because the the pro scouts want to see you work out with the Sam Darnolds and all the other top guys in the draft to see how you spend it relative to everybody who's already there. And if you're working on high school with your buddies, spending it to Joe Schmo and and, and Schlepp Rock, it works matter high then. You know, you're not getting that same profile look. So guys who doubt you already are just going to doubt you even more. I mean, I, I I look at it like this: if he, as long as he's working hard, and you have people that you trust, I don't know who he's working out with. I don't know if he's working like some people are saying he's not testing for the Wonderlick. You know, because I mean, they always say that that Wonderlick test is some sort of. I don't really get it, but they, the Wonderlick test Wonderlic is basically test. a test that asks you a bunch of random questions. Um, that you have to answer in like, it's like a 10 minute test and you have to answer as many of a hundred questions as you can. It's just a bunch wow. of, it's just all types of questions. Just, about football though. No, no, it's about no. Just general just stuff. Just anything, just general stuff. It's like the SAT. Who are the 15th president of the United States? Exactly. They ask all these, like, they ask automotive questions, they ask all types. Why? Because they said they want to see how you react. And how quickly you can think and answer questions. Oh, okay. So they, they, they want to see how that. you think in, in live situations when you don't know what the questions are that And they said that they don't know if he's trying to see, you know, that. They don't know what type of training he's getting. So, you know, I, I just think it's kind of uh, it's kind of interesting. I, I'm okay with it, but to me, Lamar is probably the most, would you say he's the most controversial player in the draft this year? At the moment, of course, that's, that's going to change. But right now, yeah, a lot of people try to figure out where, where he's going to land, who's going to pick him, how late will he go on the draft, will he go to the second round. He says everything's up in the air. I mean, a lot of people think right now that Jair Alexander will actually go before um, Lamar Jackson. 
That's it. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, when I look at the, all these teams that need quarterbacks, Jair Alexander right now is getting a second round grade. There's at least 15 teams that need quarterbacks. But Mike Mayock has them going to first round. So, a talent like that, unlike pretty much any that we've ever seen on a football field, how you let that go into the second round? I well, just, you know, it depends on the team and what those teams are. You know, at U of L, he ran a spready type of spread offense, but not really. So it all depends on what team the NFL gets them and what and what they run. And it's just a bit interesting to see like what they run and you know what order teams fall in. That that's going to determine everything. It's a team. What team has what? What system they they run? How comfortable the offensive coordinator feels with uh, a true dual threat quarterback who's in front of him? How long do you think he can you know learn the system and things of that nature? So much that goes into it. And so I would not be surprised if he maybe goes late in the first round, maybe even early second round. But then again, that's not a bad thing. If he goes late in the first round, he'll probably get picked up by the Steelers. He'll probably get picked up uh, Patriots or somebody who definitely needs a quarterback. But yet he can sit and learn for, you know, a good maybe season or two before he's actually pressing and starting to do. I don't know. I mean, because Matt Miller, he's completely, he went from saying that Lamar Jackson was a was a project that was going to take forever. He said he's going to be have the biggest impact of any day one starter in, in the whole draft class. I mean, that's a that's a big turnaround to say that, that you go from a dude that you don't know if he can play the position to now you think he's going to have the biggest impact of any rookie quarterback. Uh, that's huge. That's huge. But, you know, hey, that's one of those things we'll just have to see is and see what happens and see how it works. Just like we can see if you trade hazard away just like another about 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so once again now, it looks like we got the, uh, yeah, you know what, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna bring a piece of pizza here. We're at the Ola Pizza Company, 1201 South Oak Street here. It's going down. I know, right, about to get some pizza here. Time TNT over there, arm that pizza. Shaft TNT gives a thumbs up over there too. That's what I'm talking about right there. There we go. Ah, thank you, sir. Thank you. I know, right? Even, even my man Philip Bailey from the Courier Journal fame is over here enjoying this uh, pizza and the beer there. Give it a thumbs up as well. He, he's a uh, chicken and spinach man. I know, like my man Maxwell Spartan saying, is the camera ready, sir? That girl chicken and spinach look good. Are, are, are we recording right now? Here on live, are we all recording right now? Okay, good deal. So it's like we're back recording, so I'm about to bring my man over here so he gets this, uh, there you go. My man, Philip, is going to come in. We're about to start this UofL conversation anew. Just say, yeah, you can say Thank you, Captain Hassel. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Smile to all people in Louisville, but all across the world looking at you. Don't look, don't look at me like that. <laughs> <clears throat> all right, so. Uh, here we go. All right, you ready? So I people on Facebook Live, it's like the behind the scenes. Now, when you watch this, we put this on YouTube, of course, though, we'll head out the last like 20 minutes, so it's just chit If you are still watching this on Facebook, what? 
is your life really about? We have some dedicated people. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen. I, I, y'all do have dedicated fans now. Main event strong. Main event nation is strong. That's right. That's it. See? Someone just barked. <laughs> I know, right? Who? Hey, you like that? All right, I'm barking. <laughs> Were you a cue? I thought you were a signal. Too white. Here you go. Go ahead and cue. Here you go. All right, say cap of white. So, here you go. So, now, now, now back to Uvell. Yes, back to Uvell. Yes. So, what needs to happen, Haven? Do you think everybody's asking? Do you think that that Louisville's done? Are, are, are they done with? Are they going to make the tournament? What needs to happen to have it turned around? Do you think there's an opportunity, or do you think the team has mentally checked out? I think the team has come as far as they're going to go, and that's just because Hadgett is a first-year head coach. He's never head coached at at any level, so to kind of step in at a premier program and then take over the reins is, is difficult. And I think he's maximized what he can do. That's not a knock on Padgett. He just doesn't have the experience. Philip No, I don't think they're going to make the tournament, man, unfortunately. Uh, is it just – do you think the team's just tired from everything, from the Patino stuff and yeah, I mean, your coaches? You think it's just – I know athletes like to say that, you know, we're focused on the, on the court, the field, or whatever. We're not going to let those things distract you. But, <clears throat> I mean, they live in the same city we do. They, they, the problems for UofL aren't just – Sports related problems with U of L are from the foundation to the administration to the numerous interim, interim of interim presidents and provosts that they have over there. Tips. So, yeah, I, mean, that, I think that weighs on you, and I think that you know there's a there is a an anxiety amongst the fan base of what comes next. Year. There's already conversations about man, what are the recruits going to look like in years to come, right? Like what? Because you, you did you had this you had this renaissance of the athletics department under Tom Jurich. And there was that. <clears throat> there's there's a bit of a civil war actually still going on at University of Louisville. But there's still a lot of resentment towards the postal administration about how Jurich and Patino were treated. There's still those who feel like, look, Patino and Jurich got exactly what they deserve given their past controversies. Um, some of which got extensive amounts of coverage in local media, and some that may not be as well known as other uh, controversies. So there's a there's a fracture that's really deep in the U of L community right now, and I don't I don't think that basketball wins can heal that rift. I, th- I think there is a, a yearning for a complete fresh start, but someone who, you know, is in a qualified position. And I think Jeff Greer from the Courier-Journal pointed out today when he looked at those emails that, that uh, President Postal got, certainly the immediate choice was support behind David Padgett. But there was a contingency. Jerry Eves, former counsel with Denise Bentley, and attorney Don Elliott really pushing hard for Butch Beard. I mean, there was there was there were voices out there that were saying, "Yeah, it's a short decision, and we understand you're under the gun here, but you didn't have to make that decision." So, I don't know, man. I, th- I think everyone, and then of course, we're all waiting to see the banner come down, which I think you know is for a lot of observers is pretty much the easy prediction at this point. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. I mean, yeah, I know my man Mark Blankenbaker always posts, you know, 560 some odd days since Lowe was had. Uh, you know, a permanent president in, in, in his job, and I know that's been something that people have continued to, you know, kind of talk about. It's the fact that you just don't know what the leadership's going to do. You got a lot of temporary employees that you don't know if they're going to be there. Um, and, and, and I do. I think that this basketball team, as long as things are going well, I, I think that they were going to be able to say, 
you know, we're just ignoring all the noise from the outside. We're just playing basketball. And it's fine and good when you win. Right. But when you start losing, Winning especially everything. in a city right. that's passionate about it, and you're going to have everybody in your face saying, Haven, the jump shot looks sideways right now, dog. What's going on? You know what I'm saying? You can beat off the dribble like you stole something. You know what I'm saying? They're going to be like, Philip, why aren't you blocking those shots no more, man? You started the season, you was killing it. And, and I think that when you lose, you know, a coach who, who was a father figure for a lot of these players, you have uh, a guy who these players, you know, sports and athletics is all about the relationships. Okay, and I know Taj can speak to that. It's like those those relationships with those coaches as you go through the recruiting process. That's is that is that pretty much everything? I mean, what, what, what I mean is that is that the most important thing in, in the, the recruiting? I, I will say it's, if it's not the most important, it's very very important because my relationship with uh, my D line coach, Coach Albert and uh, Coach Cutcliffe. Man, I just talking to those guys and my dad, I really felt like family and. But there's more of a relationship with your future teammates as well. See, I go up there and I fit right in with my teammates. I go out in public with them. It's like we already cool, we already brothers. Because they teach you, though, they tell you, yo, it's business. It's still business. So your coach can leave any day. Like, I need to be coordinator at Duke. I mean, I didn't really know him well. He wasn't really, uh, he wasn't my hand picked recruiter, you know what I mean? That was my defensive line coach. But he's at Oklahoma right now, and my D line coach, as well as I think the linebacker coach, they're doing co, they're going to be co, uh, be coordinated this year as well. I mean, so. this, 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 I mean, could you imagine that feeling? And yes, and absolutely, it's always a business. You know, there's never a guarantee. But when you're talking about going through summer camp and going through fall training camp and getting the work up, knowing that the season is starting in like two or three weeks, and these are the guys that you know you've already been in meetings with your with your D line coach. You've already been in meetings. And it's more than that. We do like real team bonding things. Like you go to coach's house, you eat with the coach. Absolutely. Coach take like uh, Duke this weekend. The D lineman, they all want the D line coach to see Black Panther. That's a bonding thing. Absolutely. That's something they did together. So so uh, imagine that happening, and you guys getting ready to you know get, getting that momentum to, up to the season, and then you lose your whole coaching staff three weeks before the season starts, and everybody's gone. This. I mean, uh, because probably throw it. I will, I'm not going to say it's going to throw me off because I'm playing for more reasons than coaches. I'm playing for myself, playing for my family, especially I mean, my moms. But you know what I mean? That that throws you off. I mean, it's it, going to make you think about it. And then new coaches come changes in. Changes in terminology, changes in philosophy, style, coaching style. They might try to put me at the end or something. You know? I mean, they, they may say, you know, we want to put you an offensive line. We think you look better at guard. <laughs> <laughs> See, I mean, that's, but I mean, that's the whole thing, though. It's like philosophy changes. I mean, it's just these guys had just the, just the what they've been through. Nobody's ever seen before. Nobody's ever seen a team lose everything two or three weeks before the season started. Even if you have coaches that get fired in the summertime, at least you have, you know, three, four months, five months together. These guys had to do this on the fly. So I, I do think it's just kind of a bit much. It's fine when you're winning, but now... David's inexperience is showing. The players, you know, and the stress of everything that's been happening is it looking like it's kind of gotten to him. The freshmen are a little bit more resilient because this is the only coaching staff they've really ever known. But, I, I mean, I, I do. I, I think that it's going to be difficult. I do think they are going to find a way to make it. Um, but I don't think it's, it's going to be easy. I really don't. They've got to find a way to get a couple of these wins on the road. Now, they've already got a couple of road wins earlier in the season. They went on the road, beat Florida State at Florida State. They went on the road, beat Notre Dame. I bet. What the record they got now, do they deserve to be in the. Do they deserve to 
goes with the dance at this point with the wins they got now. There's, Be real. I, I'll say this. Their resume is very interesting. If you take the very resume, interesting. it is very interesting. <laughs> because their resume doesn't have any bad losses. Like literally every team they lost to was really, really good. They've only played two of their nine opponents that they consider to be tier one opponents, the top opponents in the schedule. Nine of the 11 games they played have been on the road. So that's a difficult proposition when you're playing the best teams on your schedule and they're all on the road. Um, so that's tough. They don't have any bad losses, but I just don't know if they have enough quality wins. And that the reason, main, the main reason being is that Notre Dame has had some injuries. Florida State went through a lull, and then they turned around and lost to Florida State. Indiana hasn't been good at all. So, you know, you have some wins that you would think before the season, okay, these are some, these are giving some strong numbers. And that really hasn't happened. You know, Notre Dame is starting to try to turn around late, but they're a fringe team on the bubble, just like Louisville is. So they don't have any bad losses, but unfortunately, I mean, when you talk about they had a shot, but this is why North Carolina was so important. Right. North Carolina was the shot. Yes. Let's see that you can beat, that you had a history. If, if they had beat North Carolina, I think it would, we could certainly say they are off the bubble. Absolutely, and that gives you that momentum. But now you lose it home to North Carolina, and you got to go on the road to play at Duke. I don't know if Marvin Bagley's been clear to play yet, but if he has, he's going to have about 30 and 25 rebounds. Oh, wow. If he plays. And if he doesn't play, that means Grayson Allen's probably going to have 30. So that's not going to be a game that you would expect the Wolves going to win. And like I said, it comes down to these games at the end of the season, the two weekend games. You got at Virginia Tech and at NC State. Louisville wins those two games, I think they're in. If they don't, you better win a game in the in the tournament, maybe two, to have a shot. Because you just I just don't think they're gonna have good enough wins. It's not necessarily that they've had they're gonna have any bad losses, but you just don't have any quality. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, but this is kind of what we thought was gonna happen at the beginning of the season. Once Rick was gone, you you saw this coming. I mean this is this should not surprise anybody what you see now. The product that you see now should not surprise him. I know a lot of people in the local media try to uh, give my man Padgett every benefit of the doubt he could. Tell him his press conferences sound good. He sounds like he knows what he's doing. Man, he can really work a room. You know, he tried to heal the wounds between uh, the older UFL players, the Denny Crumb era. He and did everything he was supposed to. He did everything he could possibly do. But it was never going to be enough. Because yeah, because the only thing that counts is the wins, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't have the political junk. I mean, <clears throat> his, his job is measured by one thing and one thing only. Wins and losses. Yeah. I mean, and, and so everything else, the politics of it, to me, always, that was the cherry on top if, if, if the team was going to continue to win. And I just think, that, I think there's a lot of, honestly, Louisville fatigue at this point. I mean, I mean University of Louisville fatigue in the city. I mean, <clears throat> there there are some basic fundamentals that we're still trying to get through the university of, are we going to have an open and honest president search? No. Are we having an open, honest president search? No. So we can get, right. It's, no, it's not going to happen. I mean, like, so, I mean, the, the, the fights that were going on with the governor and the legislature and his sacking, and his sacking of the University of Local Board of Trustees. I mean, there are some core... At the behest of James Ramsey. Let's continue. But, but there are some core issues with the university as an institution that I think have also distracted from some of the folks who would generally be more invested 
and supporting David Padgett, supporting the basketball team. I mean, I do. I, I feel as if you know that's why there was so much immediate energy put into the university. I mean, excuse me, the, the NBA talk, which is people are already sort of walking out of the door. I mean, the, the, the attendance hasn't taken the, the nosedive that people thought it was going to take, but you can definitely see. Oh, yeah. You can oh, definitely see. It's, it's, it's different. North Carolina was the first sellout, quote-unquote sellout, that looked like a sellout this year. Right. And that was this past Saturday. And it's in the year. Like, right. it's only two weeks of the season. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely tangible. I think the malaise is real. I think the sports is always supposed to be like a happy distraction. It's supposed to always be... Exactly, uh, you know, and, and, and the sports now has become a reminder of the institution. It's problems. become law and order, right? <laughs> I mean, literally, it's like it's not fun anymore. And that, like, and that banner right. coming down will be the gut punch for a lot of folks because I, I don't people say, "Oh, you still won the game," but th- there there is a psychological blow that comes with that of seeing an NCAA championship taken down from the Raptors. Like any diehard fan, you don't want it to happen. But if it does happen, I, I, I'm not sure what I'm not sure what the University of Louisville men's basketball team will be after that for diehard fans. Because there will be that group who feel like who will feel betrayed, who will feel hurt, and may not get over. Like I said before, with my uh, not so polite analogy, I mean, when you when you're cheated on by a spouse or significant other, even if you go back to them, you, you still remember in the back of your mind you did this to me. Yeah, and it, you know, it, it, it's going to be a long process, but winning cures everything. Louisville makes the right head coaching hire. Louisville starts winning again, going to Final Four. Oh, yeah. We forget all this. And, 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 I don't know what happened. FBI. Happens. I don't remember that. You know, and, and let's be honest. This is a winning all-cost university. So, like, if we, as much as we tease UK fans about going to get Calipari because he's a cheater and, and all this other stuff, as long as he's winning, nobody's going to say anything. I'm going to end it like this. Real talk. Keeping it real. Bottom line is this. Everybody wants to talk about jurids and mishandling, misappropriation, misappropriation of funds. And you want to talk about, uh, you know, every university, every big business, there's always somebody stealing money. There's always somebody giving their daughter a job. There's always yeah. somebody, you know, get just get hooking up, hooking, you know, the hookups with the people, the nepotism. That's everywhere. But the one thing I know about Tom Jurich, he was good at his job. When you look at the fact that you're going to have Kelsey Worrell, an Olympian, Lamar Jackson, maybe the best college quarterback ever, uh, uh, the, the, the young man that just went pro, uh, Brendan McKay, uh-huh. maybe the best two-way player in the history of baseball, and Donovan Mitchell, your slam dunk champion and the next great superstar in the NBA. Tom George knew how to win, and he knew how to have fun. And regardless of who takes the next mantle, they're still going to hook people up. They're still going to get their buddies jobs. They're still going to give themselves bonuses, but you better win. So that's all I'm telling you. So Miss Tyree, if that's you, you better win. So, so your philosophy is cheating's okay. Paying <laughs> yourself is okay as long as you win. Hey, I, 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 I don't so, think hiring the right coaches is cheating. I think so, that's that's doing your due diligence and making so, a good hire. So okay. no, but what I'm saying is all that stuff that they're trying to put on, uh, you know, on UML for what they're doing, it happens everywhere. So but, but, it's just got to be different people doing it. So that makes it okay though. So what you're saying is, and I didn't say it makes it okay. No, all I said is you better win. So. You're okay with it as long as you win. No matter what you do, as long as you win, that's all that matters. No, I'm saying so that you can take as much money from the student body to fund that brother program. No, I'm not, say, I'm not saying that. that's okay. All I'm saying is whoever comes in next year, I hear all the 
the talk about, you know, he ain't doing this and that, they ain't doing that. Guess what? If you're not winning, them turnstiles ain't gonna keep rolling. And then I and Louisville, the Louisville fans have already shown that. Like the money is down huge right now, this year. So I hope that everything is happy, but a lot like everybody told us, oh Steve Crackthorpe is such a much a better guy than Petrino and he cares about family and it's family faith in football and it's you know he, he he wants to you know work hard but then be home to have dinner with his wife and kids and every we heard everything in the book but guess what happened when by Petrino could not win games when, when Crackdo could not win games Haven Harrington was on the main event sports show after one game in a win by 50 points saying this ain't the dude I, I told you. I, I, was I wrong? That's real. Was, so I, I, I don't wrong. care. I get the funds together. If they don't want to say they're cheating, fine. They're cheating and they're giving money. That's okay. I can't but imagine it. You better win. <laughs> Is that not? NCAA rules. No comment. If, 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 I mean, okay, if all the appropriations are, are great and everything is on the up and up and you have a losing football team, a losing basketball team, you know, Dan McDonald takes another job in the SEC, then what you got? But everybody's happy. Is, is, is the happy. 90s. Is everybody going to be happy? The, the 90s. They're going to be to that. They might be the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be 71. Yeah, that's on the 90s. <laughs> I mean, so that's, that, that's, that's all I'm going to say about it. But, but do, you put, you do, do you put an asterisk by Tom Jurich's tenure at all? Negative. None. Negative. None. At Negative. all. No, no blemish, nothing. No. What? No, I, I don't. I, I am not. I am not in the camp that thought that that Mr. Jurich should have been fired. James Ramsey. James Ramsey had to go. Uh huh. James Ramsey had to go. But I think that Tom Jurich was what he did, and the fact that they basically tried to throw a lot of this Ramsey stuff on Jurich. If you're back. Tom Jurich, did you fire Rick Pitino? Oh, absolutely. You had to. Okay. You had to. Rick Pitino had to go. If if for anything, just being stupid. And, and not observant and not taking as close care of his program as he should. Rick Pitino had to go. But I think that there was a directed initiative to see how they could find a way to get time out of there. And unfortunately, Rick Pitino gave them the excuse they needed. But I think the time Jurich got a raw deal. I think he deserves all his money. And all I'm saying is if it's Vince Tyree, I don't care what his last name is. I don't care that his daddy's an All-American. I don't care that his daddy's uh, numbers hanging the rafters. You better be able to do the job. I mean, to me, it was like this. <laughs> Tom was done. Hey, put in a cha- no. challenge. Yeah. <laughs> challenge. I'm going to say this. Tom was done when Ramsey was done. That right. was a patch The dominoes deal. were definitely following that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Once Ramsey was gone, there was no way in the world Tom George was going to be able to, to make it. In the story. Once Rams was done, Tom was done. Because those guys were, were freaking fracked. Here's what it is. Hey. But you know what? Our last topic of the day, let's go ahead and talk about the NBA Toulouse. These guys finally got a big shot in the arm. $750,000. $750 large from local entrepreneurs and money guys. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hire Dan Issel to finally go after the NBA for real right. for the third time. Now, for those who don't know, when the Charlotte Hornets were looking to move, when they came to Louisville, they had most of it ironed out already. They had the press conference planned for like a two weeks later. They were ready to go. The first, the first rip. 
And then things kind of fell through. A lot of that had to do with George and Patino raging a nice little background board saying this would destroy you, Bell. We can't do this, this would be bad. That's some of it. I think the other parts of it were that you had the wealthy folks in the city that did not want uh, competition from another billionaire coming to town that was not a part of the patriarchy in Louisville and could be his own free man and had the money to be his own free person. And I think that kind of scared a lot of people. And I put the kibosh on the uh, on the Hornets. The Grizzlies came, they, they got a little traction, they, they wanted to come to Louisville as well, but those same forces kind of put the scuttlebutt on the Grizzlies. So now this is our third time out, trying to get NBA team. Now they actually put some money behind it, but to me this is only because one, George is gone. I think Tom George is still here, this conversation never happens. Number two, they have to figure a way to pay off the young center, because this is not going to happen. That thing's going to default, they know it. And they have to get it. There's news, what? They're going to default? Yes. Are, you, are you part of the conspiracy folks to believe like the, the arena is going to default because of what exactly? Uh, because it's not enough days, it's not a Vince book to pay the bills. Right? It's just that simple. There's not enough events to pay the bills. And the NBA would almost guarantee that thing you paid for. I mean, you didn't think it was going to default like last July, like Dennis Frankenberger and everyone was predicting. I remember it was what, July 2015, they yes. were going to go bankrupt? But I thought it was going to happen. happen but. No, it didn't happen. But what I thought was going to happen is, is that they won't be able to pay this off. And they're going to have to either reissue more bonds or do something else to kind of keep it going because UofL by itself can't keep it up, can't keep it going. But it's not just UofL by itself, though. I mean, Even with the concerts, it's not no concerts that keep it up. The, the question going. is, it's having more dates. But I mean, if you, if you talk to the folks who, you know, on the Arena Authority, I mean, the, young, the KFC Young Center, despite all of the misgivings about the arena deal, and there are many that have been about the deal and how it favors the University of Louisville, but the Young Center is considered one of the premier now concert venues in North America. I didn't say it's not a, a premier right. venue. I'm just saying there's not enough concerts. I'm just saying that there's not this reliance, but it's not just a basketball arena. Yeah, it's not the basketball arena. Anymore. But like, but that's what it was yeah, the, the thing is, there's just not enough dates right. to keep it going. There should be more open, and that's always been the fight, which is even in this new deal, the fight was trying to get over, get some January, February things over, yeah. but that obviously didn't happen. I, I look at it like this. They had their opportunity with the Charlotte Hornets. Kimber Walker should have been balling in Louisville, okay? But Kimber Walker's not balling in Louisville. He's in Charlotte, okay? They had the chance to make it happen. Um, I, I am glad to see that Dan Issel uh, is there and, and that he's trying to, um, you know, re-energize this. He's already had some uh, conversations with Adam Silver um, but we'll just have to wait and see. I, I like what they're doing. They're putting the best foot forward. Their hope is you sound pessimistic. Uh, I mean, the hope the hope is that they're gonna have overexpansion. They think at some point the NBA is right. gonna go to thirty two teams, and when that happens, the, the when next team that's open is Seattle. 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 No, so, no, the next team that's open for to move or it's what, what, up what, the Pelicans in twenty twenty four. Yeah, but it's not so much yeah. to move. There's going to be expansion. Yeah, it's going to be expansion. They're pretty much saying they want to put another team back in Seattle. So Seattle will get a team, and then the they have another team. team. Then they have another team that balance it out. Now, what's the next thing going to be is, is up for debate. Yeah, and, and that's the question is that they, they feel that they're going to go to 32 at some point, and Louisville's trying to put themselves in that position to get it. But all I know is that right now, Las Vegas has got the Raiders. Uh, they're becoming much more of a uh, a 
acceptable place. It used to be that hotel room. Right. Oh, um, you know, place, yeah. the, the gambling and you have players getting paid off. But now the athletes make so much money that's where it doesn't matter because you would have to pay those athletes so much money to rig a game and then you would have to put enough money on the game to be able to get your return on investment that it would raise huge red flags. So that taboo of not having sports in uh, Las Vegas has gone away. So if, if my, in my opinion, right now they're sitting at 29 teams in the NBA. Okay, they want to get 32. That would mean that there would be two teams. Seattle would be one. Would be one. Las Vegas would be two. In my you know opinion. what? But see, and then I think no, Louisville would be that third. No, honestly, really? Honestly, oh, if, if, no. That's what they're. That's what they're buying for. No, right? I'm not saying no, that they okay, would get okay, it, okay. but no, they have one team. No, I'm gonna say this. I think Louisville may actually go ahead of Las Vegas for the simple fact that we don't already have a pro team. This would be the only pro game in town. Period. Soccer. This would be the only <laughs> pro game. Hey, in town. Period. What about Lou City? This will be the only, you know what? No offense to Blue City, that's an MLS. It's USL, not. USL, technically. Yeah, I mean, it could be MLS one day. But it's it USL. could be, but it's not. Right now, it, it, it just is what it is. And as far as pro teams, you don't have any competition. In Louisville, Vegas, you have competition with the Raiders, and the NFL is a big dog. And it's Las Vegas big enough to support two professional football, I mean, two top tier franchises. So you're the more optimistic. You actually think this, this opportunity could happen because there's, there's, it's more than just seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in this. So like, you yeah. have some Brown Foreman money. It looks like it's interesting. In this you got Bridge, but you guys, you guys, guys. But remember, like, little money. Let's let's try to anchor this conversation somewhat in reality. You're talking about, you know, I think what the NBA caps ownership groups to be what twenty five or so. You're thinking about two billion dollar entry fee to get into the NBA at least. At least, so you're talking about forty million dollars per person. Well, here's the guys right now with the Hollins. I mean, who's moving that way? Well, with the Hollins, the Bridgmans, and the Browns. Forty million. You're gonna they put it in forty million a piece. They for an NBA. That. No, no, they're right. putting in forty million a piece for an NBA team in Louisville. Yes. Get real. No, I'm gonna tell you why. Because the, the average NBA team is worth one point five billion dollars. You're gonna have to get some outside you, money, baby. But no, 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 you have they're to have Wendy's no. and hamburgers for Junior no. itself. No, 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 no. You have that outside money. You have to have that outside okay, okay, owner. Okay. So you have, you have to go get that owner. Like even Seattle's gonna have to find for a that small owner. piece of that pack. By the way, putting forty million up for one percent of that. Yeah, one percent. Yeah. So. So, but basically, no. If you go to Vegas, if you go to uh, Nashville, if you go to Indianapolis, or any other city, but you know, any other city you go to, uh-huh. you're going to have to have that billionaire owner right. that's going to come in from out of town, out the country. That can. And then, by deal. the way, you have let's say you get over that hurdle of the forty million dollars per the owners, and you get to the two billion dollar mark. Then you have to renegotiate the, the agreement with the University of Louisville. I know everyone thinks, oh, Tom Jurich and Rick Pitino are gone, so U of L would just want to keel over. But you still got the sponsorship, the suites, the, suites. the naming rights, and everything else. Well, the naming rights would be the easiest thing to negotiate because that will go by at least 10 times. Because the okay. first time, when, when, they, when the young folks who have been in the room with University of Louisville to renegotiate this deal, man, say differently. No, no, it I'm, ain't easy. No, so the naming rights are the easiest part. Because right now, Lowe was like $16 million for naming rights. So you're, you're with the, between the two of you, are you with the Yum Center or are you with Renovating Freedom Hall, which is another $200 million? You have to go to the Yum Center. So, okay, so at least you're yeah. being sensible with the idea. Yeah, of, you have to go to the Yum Center. Yeah, that's, that's a non-starter. Ain't no, ain't no big Louisville taxpayers, I don't think, are putting in. It smells like uh, uh, peanuts and cows. 
Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't think the local taxpayers are interested in putting out. No, they're not. They're not. Another two hundred million plus dollars. And, and, and trying to negotiate you the is going to be almost impossible. So it is going to be an uphill battle. The only thing that Louisville has even going for it is that one, we don't have an NBA ready arena already. Others just have to build one from scratch. Where I got one. We just got to figure out how to make U of L and everybody work. The bottom line was it was a silly negotiation to begin with. U of L basically strong armed them into that conversation of them having the primary naming rights and doing all this stuff, making such a sweetheart deal. We understood that the the, uh, the attorneys working the deal worked on both sides and should not have been a part of the process. We understand that, you That's know. Cool. But you know what? That is so Louisville right there. We, we, we that is like the most Louisville thing ever. Hey, the city let it go And Glasscock. The city let it go there. part of UBLAA and on the authority board. Not, not they, accuse themselves They let it go that, They let it go down. the whole deal. Didn't you get rid of the Walmart deal? <laughs> That's like the most Louisville thing ever. That's like the most Louisville thing but ever. But we'll have plenty of time talking about that because I, I feel as if it's not going to happen for at least another two or three years. So Insulin Company are going to have their opportunity to make it happen. So but, we'll have to but let me ask you a question. So how, what, what are your thoughts about it? Do you even think this would even happen? Do you think there's, on a scale of one to one to ten, like what are the odds of even somebody? I say 15%. 15%. I say 15%. I think that, that, and that's being generous. I just think that you don't get too many opportunities. And you have had their opportunity. The Charlotte Hornets were ready to come. The Houston Rockets were seriously looking at, at making a move. And when you have that happen and you get turned down, it's very rare that you get another shot. So I, I think that they, because of the Young Center and because of uh, the hub here, uh, uh, the, um, you know, over there at uh, the, the airport and some of the things, the um, you know, that, that they have from infrastructure that may be appealing uh, to a team coming That's here. That's one way to get you a direct West Coast flight. You know, I, I just think that <laughs> there, UofL has what it takes they had the opportunity to do it, and they blew it. So now is somebody going to give them another shot? It's, it's going to we'll be see. tough. We'll what see. about you? I, I hate glimmers of hope more than I even hate hope. And I think that this is another one of those uh, glimmers of hope to give Louisville folks and Louisville people the opportunity to renegotiate, renegotiate in their minds. When's the museum process getting built? Right. Renegotiate in their minds why Louisville will have an NBA team. Ultimately, you got to see the money, man. Who's who's putting the money on the table? And even after the money question is answered, you still have to renegotiate that entire arena. The main event sports show is going to commit forty cents. Oh, we'll be owners. Hey, do of, you have that? We'll be owners of one one trillion. <laughs> one one <laughs> trillion of the Kentucky Colonels. Now, when are you going to turn on that deal? Like you turned on the Walmart deal. <laughs> I have no idea why. I know what we need to pray about it. We got our milk. All the family dollars was excited when they blew up the day. Yeah. All 15 of them. I'm a dollar general man myself. They a little bit more cleanly. They was very excited about Walmart. They was probably very happy. They scuttled the whole thing. Because I'm the most powerful man in West Louisville. Don't you ever forget it. All right, it's time to. Hey, you know what? Thank you for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Main Event Live here at the Oval Pizza Company. Hey, if you guys are watching us on YouTube, please subscribe. Uh, post in the comments. We do watch all the comments. We'll you do? You read to the you. comments? 
We gotta read the comments and respond to the comments. So go ahead and comment below. Please subscribe to the uh, the YouTube channel. We got some great things coming up. Thanks for tuning in to Benefit Live, and we'll guys catch you next week in Life How I Can Every Show without any struggle. There is no progress. Peace. Hey, but shut down Walmart.